This is Tech Talk with your host, Tom DiOria. Tom will spend the next hour making your life with technology a little easier with explanations of the different aspects of today's technology and how it can benefit your home, small office, or enterprise. Now here's your host, Tom DiOria. Welcome to IMI's Tech Talk. It's the fourth Sunday of August. My goodness, the summer is really going fast. It's August 23rd, 2015. And we're on at 6 p.m. in New York listening area and 3 p.m. in Arizona. And today we're live from our New York offices. We're going to be discussing a really interesting topic, introducing kids to programming and technology. And our guest is Dr. Tim Summers. I am Tom Diore. I'm the CEO of Information Methods Incorporated, and together with our weekly guests, our show will help our listeners, whether a business or home technology user, make better use of all aspects of technology. Just in case you're a first-time listener, in our first segment, Tech Talk provides you a review of last week's most significant events in technology. We start with an increased coverage of New York's technology scene, and we follow this with our industry-wide report, which could contain information on conferences, announcements by vendors, new releases of software equipment, or new contract opportunities. One of our guests followed us in many aspects of business and industry, and if you wish us to consider a topic for a future show, you can email your suggestions to techtalk, that's T-E-C-H-T-A-L-K, at imi-us.com, and we'll get back to you pretty quickly. Anytime after our show introduction, please give us a call or send an email message with questions on today's topic or anything else we might be able to help you with. You can call 277-KFNX, that's 277-5369. And if you're outside the 602 listening area, call us toll-free at 1-866-536-1100. You can use that email address I gave you, techtalk at imi-us.com, to send us questions. We monitor that throughout the show. And if we don't get your question on today's show, we'll definitely send you a response and uh, try and get it on next week. We're also being simulcast on the web, so if you can't get to your radio, but you want to listen to us live, you can go to KFNX's website, which is 1100kfnx.com. And if you want to listen to this show again or any of our previous shows, you can download that at our website, which is imi-us.com. In the upper right-hand corner is the Tech Talk button. Click on that. You can download the shows. They're all there. You can send them to your friends, listen to them as many times as you want. It's free, so please take advantage of that, too. And please call any time during the show, and we'll try and get you on as quickly as possible. First segment's our Week in Review. It's increased coverage of technology events in New York City and around the world. It's compiled by Dave, Brandon, Dan Dioria, and Jose Batista. AP tells us that Mort Zuckerman, the owner of the New York Daily News, says the tabloid is no longer up for sale. I'm sure that makes a lot of you very happy. In an internal memo that was sent to the Associated Press, Zuckerman says that after meeting with several potential interested and well-intentioned suitors, he was withdrawing the paper from the market. He had said February that he had been approached by a potential buyer. The newspaper industry has been hit with declines in print circulation and ad revenues as media websites, including those without print businesses, gain readers. Online ad sales have increased for newspaper companies, but not enough to offset the decline in the print revenue, according to Pew Research Center report. The Daily News has, in recent years, beefed up its website with a focus on national and celebrity news, and Zuckerman says the digital arm of the Daily News will be increasingly important. Cranes tells us that in the race to help you park your car, one player is fueling up Spot Hero, which lets users book discounted spots in parking garages, has raised $20 million in 
It will use the cash to beef up marketing and hire more staff and offices in Chicago, New York, and San Francisco. Additionally, the company will hire its first general manager for New York, which is Spot Hero's second largest market behind Chicago, and add eight to ten employees here. Uh, there are currently three staffers in New York. Spot Hero also plans to add 200 to 300 parking locations to its inventory of about 400 garages across Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and the Bronx. I guess they don't like Staten Island. The Series B funding round will bring Spot Hero's total capital raised to $27 million. New York-based Inside Venture Partners led the round with participation from existing investors, including Battery Ventures and Bullpen Capital. Spot Hero competes with other parking apps, including Parking Panda and Park Wiz, as well as valet services, which will take your car off your hands outside of a restaurant or theater and return it wherever you are when you need it. New York has three valet services, Lux, L-U-X-E, Valet Anywhere, and Xerox, Z-I-R-X, all of them operating in only selected portions of the city. Though Manhattan has been losing garages to commercial and residential development in recent years, there's no shortage of off-street parking space. That's uh, pretty interesting. The other thing the city is losing is gas stations. Try and find one. just tried to find one this morning, and I couldn't. Wired tells us that new media savvy meet old media money. NBC Universal's long-rumored $200 million investment in BuzzFeed was officially confirmed by both companies today, and both are hoping the money leads to a fruitful exchange of mojo. For BuzzFeed, it's the chance to shoot for bigger budget fare. They hope NBCU will help BuzzFeed get into TV and film. NBCU also recently invested $200 million in Fox Media. Meanwhile, Comcast NBCU's corporate parent has reportedly expressed interest in other news media companies such as Business Insider and Vice. Comcast is also reportedly developing a new Internet video player to target millennials who may not currently pay for cable. BuzzFeed has been mentioned as a potential partner in the venture. That's pretty interesting. One thing uh, NBCU doesn't appear to be seeking from the investment is quick ca- is a quick cash out. The investment from NBCU and BuzzFeed's rapidly growing revenue assures their financial independence, allowing them to grow and invest without pressure to chase short-term revenue or rush an IPO. Two more to tell you about, and then we'll take a break and get to our guest. PC Magazine tells us what app is about to get a little more handy for iPhone users. The WhatsApp web app now supports iOS in addition to Android, BlackBerry, BlackBerry 10, and Windows Phone. This means that iPhone users will now be able to sync chats from their phone to the WhatsApp web app to continue the conversations in their browser. The feature is gradually rolling out to iPhone users as part of the app's latest update. The new iOS support comes after WhatsApp first introduced the web client in the uh, for the in-browser chatting. The web client is simply an extension of your phone. The web browser mirrors conversations and messages from your mobile phone. This means all of your messages still live on your phone. Until now, however, the feature was worked uh, only with the Android, BlackBerry, BlackBerry 10, and Windows phone versions of the app. 
Cohen in January said that the company wasn't able to provide a web client for iOS users due to the Apple platform limitation, but it looks like those issues are all worked out. And finally, CNET tells us that Sony has officially unveiled its latest smart band design to monitor your health and fitness. Dubbed the Smart Band 2, the new tracker includes a heart rate monitor that can keep tabs on your ticker all day. By constantly checking your heart rate, the band can determine which activities raise your rate and which ones return it to normal resting state. The Smart Band 2 will also check your overall activity and movements, your sleep, and even your stress levels, according to Sony. So it can tell you if your day is a tough one, even if you're not aware of it. The band can also pair with both Android and Apple smartphones and will vibrate and light up an LED to alert you of incoming calls, emails, and text messages. So it offers several useful new features. Um, Sony's new Smart Band 2 faces competition from a range of other Activity trackers in increasingly chatted markets. Such companies as Fitbit, Jawbone, Garmin, and Misfit offer various bands with exercise tracking, heart rate monitoring, sleep monitoring, and smartphone parry. So um, as with any of these things, it's really what you feel most comfortable with. It's hard for anyone to tell you get this one over that one. So you're really going to have to go to some kind of a store like uh, Best Buy or something and play with them and see what... Uh, read up on them and then see which one fits into your um, into your lifestyle okay we're going to take a break we're going to get to our guest dr tim summers talk to you about introducing kids to programming and technology uh so please stay tuned we're going to be right back after these messages this is imi's tech talk on kfnx am 1100 i'm tom diori and it's august 23rd 2015 Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Dioria, and it's the 23rd of August, 2015, and I mentioned to you before the break, we're going to have Dr. Tim Summers on talking to us about introducing kids to programming and technology, and I told you all to get your uh, iPads out so you could take notes, or if you're still with pen and pencil, that's fine, too. Um, Dr. Summers, mentors, leaders, executives, and staff on both the theory and practice of hackers' cognitive psychology, and the hacking mindset, areas of which he is a leading global authority. His insights on current events are highly sought, leading to various media appearances. Dr. Summers has been a commentator, security expert, and interview subject for many news outlets. Tim is also a highly sought speaker and visiting professor, having lectured at Carnegie Mellon University and Temple University, just to name a few. And I'm sure since I'm probably much older than you, Tim, uh, our paths didn't cross at Carnegie. But thanks so much <laughs> for taking the time to be with us. Thank you for having me. We've got a lot to cover today, but I mentioned in the introduction that the word hacking. Now, is this hacking in the bad sense or hacking in the good sense? And can you explain the difference? And then we'll get into what you really do. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, so, yeah, so hacking really uh, comes in different flavors. Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, there's, there's, you know, sort of this, this concept of a white hat hacker uh, and a concept of a black hat hacker. And so the black hats are who we kind of consider to be the bad guys, quote unquote, and the white hats are considered to be the good guys. Um, so, so, 
you know, really, those terms come from the old Western days. You know, you think about the wild, wild west. You know, there was always a, you know, a hero that rode into town, you know, and he wore a white hat, and there was always a bad guy, you know, in town, and he wore a black hat. So that's really where those terms come from. Uh, for me personally, um, I, I definitely feel that uh, most white hats, um, particularly in hacking sense, have at some point in time, uh, you know, probably been or considered themselves a black hat simply because in order for you to learn to protect something, you have to learn how to break in first. Um, so there is that sort of uh, essence there. Um, I've spent most of my career helping uh, uh, companies, organizations, uh, the U.S. government, uh, and individuals uh, protect themselves from bad people. So I like to I like to think of myself as a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> and and some of those people that put on their black hat to learn how to break into things, not necessarily doing it to be bad, but just to learn how bad people work, I assume. Exactly, exactly. I sort of gave a, a hint about what you do, but uh, tell us in a little bit more detail what I was trying to explain. Sure, sure. Uh, so so I spend a, um, most of my time, so my, my company is called Summers and & Company, and, uh, and, and what we do is we advise, um, uh, you know, governments, organizations, um, small businesses, large businesses on how to protect themselves uh, from, you know, uh, cyber crime um, and, and, you know, and really bad uh, cyber attacks and occurrences. Uh, so that's really the, the, you know, a really good way of thinking about what we do. Um, now, part of our community development, though, um, is that, you know, Summers and Company is very dedicated to uh, helping, you know, the community and doing things in the community. And so one of the things that we do uh, from a community support perspective is we, uh, you know, we, we do the best we can to, to identify opportunities where we can uh, teach young kids how to code and how to, how to do computer programming and learn about all of the, the new and latest and greatest tech. How did you get into this whole hacking thing? Well, it started when I was 11. You know, I uh, <laughs> I started uh, programming when I was 11, and um, soon after, uh, I had a lot of interest in the phone systems, and so I started uh, hacking phone systems, and um, and and that was really you know kind of how that happened, and and so I know you kind of hear me talk about programming and hacking, and well, the reason that 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 I talk about it that way is because. In order to be a, a you know a really good hacker, uh, whether good or bad, uh, specifically if you're going to be a good guy, you you definitely have to have programming skills or at least some some understanding of programming and how computers and technology works. Tell me a little bit more about how you hack. Well, I don't know. I don't mean the detail of it. Sure, but sure. What were you hacking in the phone systems? Well. So when I was a kid, you know, I was just always curious about how payphones worked. I was always curious about, you know, you know, how is it that if I dial this number, you know, it, it like gets me someone like on the other end, you know, and it's and it's exactly the person that I'm trying to get a hold of, um, you know. So I, I always, you know, wanted. I was just curious about how that worked, um, and payphones were always really fascinating to me because, you know, I guess most people who would use payphones, they put their money in and they wouldn't think too much about it, but I always wondered, you know. How does the phone know how much money I put in? You know, I mean, what if I put in a dime versus a quarter? You know, how does the how does the phone know that? And so, um, you know, back at that point in time, it was that whenever you put in a coin, I mean, nowadays we don't even have payphones anymore, but but when you put a coin in the phone, 
uh, it would produce a certain tone, and that's how the processing uh, capabilities in the phone knew what kinds of coins you put in. So if you put in a dime, it made a certain kind of sound. If you put in a quarter, it made a certain kind of sound. So, uh, so, so a few really crafty hackers figured out that, you know, if I take a tape recorder and I record the sound of quarters going into uh, the, the tone that's produced, um, you know, there, there's a certain, there was a certain frequency that the, the, the phone would produce and, you know, whenever you put a quarter in. So they realized that if they found that frequency and then recorded it on a tape recorder, and played it into the headset on a payphone, uh, it would register with the phone as a quarter going in. So they might, you know, play that tone over and over a couple times to make the phone think they put in two bucks, and and then they can make any calls that, that they want. So just to give you an and example, you're obviously talking about other people doing that, and you heard about it, and you right, knew the right, technology, right. but you never did that yourself. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> and you brought up. Two things that I'm sure many of our listeners have no idea what you're talking about, a tape recorder and a paper. <laughs> right, right. I mean, at that point, we had tape recorders. Today, we have uh, digital voice recorders, right? <laughs> yeah, your phone, you know. I mean, or your phone, right? <laughs> for, for our listeners, there are boxes with push buttons or dials on them where you put money in and it allowed you to make a call. Because people didn't have little iPhones to walk around with. So I know right. ancient, techn- ancient technology. I'd like to ask you this question, and I'll give you a minute to start answering, and then I'm going to have to uh, take our half-hour uh, national news break. But uh, sure. you mentioned children, uh, and you mentioned that uh, for you to get started, you really had to know at least the basics or, or the theories of, of programming. Tell us why you think it's important that kids should benefit from this, and then I'm going to cut you off in about a minute. Sure, sure. So, so this is a really great question because, um, you know, I find in my experience that children are really excited about technology. Um, it, it just seems to come naturally to them. However, uh, you know, they really haven't had the opportunity to learn the innards of the technology. They've only really operated with it from a superficial level. Most kids, I mean, uh, you know, they, they've, they've, they've played with an iPhone, they've played with an iPad, they've played with a smart TV, things like that. Uh, you, know, you, know, you know, a certain few have played around with an iWatch. But to really understand how that tech works, um, it, it's really fascinating because when you then expose them to how it works, you can see the brightness in their eyes and they just get really excited about it because now they actually understand not, not the necessarily the, you know, does it work, but how it works. And that's really important, especially as we become a more connected society. Um, it's not just understanding that, you know, if you plug something into the wall socket, it just turns on, but actually understanding the how. And the more We're we get into come the- back to the brightness in their eyes after this break. This is Tom DiOrio on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's the 23rd of August, 2015, and we're talking to Dr. Tim Summers about introducing kids to programming and technology, and we're going to get to that right after this break. This is the half-hour national news break, so uh, please stay tuned, come back, and uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's the 23rd of August, 2015, and our guest today is Dr. Tim Summers, and uh, we're talking about introducing kids to programming and technology, and uh, 
Dr. Summers was telling us how you notice on a kid's face when they're finally learning something that really is in the background of what they do. And I was thinking about in the first segment, we talked about uh, pay phones and, and tape recorders that probably the kids of today have no clue about. And I'm just thinking about things as ancient as I am, that in your description of most people that use technology today, I guess you could consider them the end user. And then in the old days, uh, we used to have application programmers that used to take uh, ideas and make them into something that users who didn't know technology can use. And then behind them were systems programs that actually told the computer what to do. So I guess in today's society, you're trying to bring those end users, whether kids or not, uh, more toward the understanding how the application or the tool that they're using actually works. Is that a good comparison? That's a, that's a, that's a really good comparison. Um, yeah, no, I actually, what, what, what we sort of find is that with every new generation of technology, we're actually uh, a little abstracted from how it works. Um, and that's simply because, you know, manufacturers are doing their best to make things very user-friendly. So the further away we get, you know, so whereas, for, you know, for example, 20 years ago, you had to write a bunch of lines of code to make something simple happen, today it's as simple as speaking it, and it just happens. But to really understand how that happens and, and why is it that when you speak a certain command, uh, something, you know, something, there's a result. Uh, that is what we, you know, we're, we're learning less and less of. Um, and so children are, are you know, a perfect example. There was a video on YouTube uh, some years ago of a, of a young child, she was a baby, and they gave her a, a magazine. And you could see her swiping on the magazine to make it do something, and it was like she thought it was an iPad. And then when they gave her the iPad, she had no problem with that at all. She's swiping around and things were moving and... That in itself is, is an example of how the abstraction, you know, is happening with every generation of tech. Do you find that, since you've been doing this for a while, that the kids really like, enjoy that delving into the technology as opposed to just playing with the technology? Is that something that clicks with them? Yeah, yeah. In, in my experience, you know, I mean, think about it, right? You know, the 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 you know the the child, the mind of a child is incredibly exploratory. Um, it's it's incredibly curious. You know, it's the it's the you know, I mean, kids are always asking the why questions, right? And, and so um, that curiosity. Um, if you introduce them to some of the really interesting technology, and you say. You know, and, and usually it helps by picking something that they like already. So maybe you take a smartphone or you take a tablet or something like that. And, and then you start teaching them about how it actually works. In my experience, I've found that children are incredibly interested. How young have you started this type of education? Uh, you know, actually, <laughs> actually, uh, we, we started, uh, quite early with my, uh, my godson, uh, when he was, uh, uh, two years old, you know. Uh, really? We, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and really, it's, it's, it can start really simple, you know. It can, it can start with, you know, um, you know, providing, you know, for example, colors and shapes 
and then, you know, sort of asking or, or having the child think about how they might want to make something happen the way that they want it to happen. And at the end of the day, that's really what programming is all about. It's about, uh, you know, computers are dumb machines. They don't do anything unless you tell them to. And so programming is the art or, or the art and or science of learning how to get the computer to do something that you want it to do. Uh, so we started quite early, <laughs> but uh, most of the uh, boot camps or summer, you know, technology uh, camps that I've done um, have really been around middle schoolers. Um, but we definitely are working on doing uh, something for elementary school kids and even younger if we can. Now, do you find, I mean, when I taught uh, high school kids that uh, came to an advanced uh, programming course at Carnegie or Columbia where I taught, they really wanted to learn. So, sure. you know, they jumped right into it. And what I always saw there was if you taught them the logic, the thinking of programming, it not only helps them if they were going to program, but it also helps them in a lot of other areas. Do you find that that's still the case with the technology the way it is now? I think that you're absolutely right. I think that is still the case. Um, the The learning how to do the logical thinking um, really does apply in so many different aspects of life. And, and, and that's really, we're starting to see this sort of convergence of life and technology. And, uh, and, and the more, the closer and closer we get to that, um, the more and more important these lessons from programming are. And, and that's, gets, to get back to one of your earlier questions, that's actually why, one of the reasons why I think it's really important uh, for kids to learn how to program early. It's just like learning a new language. You know, if you'd like for your, you know, for your son or your daughter to be able to speak a new language, it's great to teach them when they're young because the, you know, the mind is so pliable and, 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 and they soak it all up. It's a perfect time. I don't find that this necessarily is, is a path to these kids getting uh, to work in Silicon Valley or in the New York technology area. I mean, it, it's a path, but it's not necessarily the goal of what you're trying to do here. No, yeah, no, it's it's not. Yeah, the the yeah the point uh, of us teaching you know children how to program is not to get them to decide to go to work in Silicon Valley or things like that. It's really more of a, the mind expansion. And so, if you think about um, you know sort of when you were you know des uh, describing my bio, you know you know cognitive psychology um, and 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 cognitive sciences in general is really about understanding the limitations. Um, and or methods of expansion of the mind. And programming is one of those areas um, where you really can expand your thinking abilities in, in a multitude of ways. I think that's pretty good. Although I gather, and I don't know if you follow this through, through what you're doing, um, it would make it easier if they wanted to go that route. And, Agreed. And I guess the second half of my question there or statement is that you find that girls are better equal to less than boys in understanding and grasping this and moving forward? Oh, wow. Does, that's, it a yeah, Does it make a difference? That's a great question. Um, so, you know, I definitely found in my research that, uh, that girls and boys learn a little differently. Um, when it comes to technology, so, so I would say 10 years ago, um, we definitely saw boys being much more confident about technology. 
Um, and girls may be having, in, in many cases, the girls having just as much expertise as the boys, but maybe just not being as comfortable and confident in their, in their abilities or capabilities, uh, just simply because, you know, technology for a very long time has been sort of a male-dominated industry. So there's, there's you know, there's always, always sort of been this, you know, sort of predisposition from that perspective. But we're seeing that decrease more and more, I mean, every year, um, the more we have, you know, women executives in Silicon Valley, the more we have, um, you know, uh, we see, you know, women doing, you know, things of, of, of authority and technology. Um, it, as much as it might seem like your child is disconnected from those sorts of things, it's actually really important. And the research has shown that it's, it's, really, uh, it ha- it's really impactful in terms of how uh, boys and girls learn the tech together. Um, so I would definitely say that there really is no difference uh, from from my from what the data showed me in necessarily um, uh, you know are you know boys able to pick it up better than girls or girls able to pick it up better than boys, but rather uh, it's it's more so the confidence levels at the end of the day. Do you believe that you can really make the system do something that you want it to do? And if you have that confidence, you're not as scared of the technology as you might be if you if you lack it. Good point. We're going to take a break. We're talking to Dr. Tim Summers about introducing kids to programming and technology. I'm Tom Dioria. This is IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's August 23rd, 2015. Please stay tuned. We're going to be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Dioria. Our guest today is Dr. Tim Summers, and we're talking about introducing kids to programming and technology. And uh, how do our listeners get in touch with you if they want to follow up? Well, that's a, that's, a, that's another great question. Uh, one of the best ways to keep in touch with me is uh, uh, my uh, Twitter, at uh, howhackersthink.com. Um, and, uh, of course, you can always uh, reach reach out to me via um, you know, via email at uh, uh, at howhackersthink.com, and there we actually have um, uh, a contact form, so feel free. So we might have touched on this, but what kind of initiatives are you involved with regarding kids? And yeah, so well, yeah, right. So we um, we actually just um, worked with a school district down in northeastern North Carolina. To um, to do something called uh, the Ignite Summer Technology Boot Camp, where um, the the intention was to teach kids how to uh, code uh, during a week and to have a, a hackathon at the end of the week. And when we say hackathon, that really just means uh, an opportunity for the kids to really show what they've learned during the week. Um, and it's sort of a point system, and you know, with a leaderboard, and you know, um, and each challenge sort of, uh, you know, requires certain programming skills. And so at the end of the day, the kid with the most points, you know, wins. And so there's a, you know, top three uh, and top five. Um, But one thing that we did to really sort of uh, make this really interesting is uh, we included help cards where if you were uh, stuck on a problem, so each student got a certain amount of help cards, if you were stuck on a problem, uh, and there was another kid who who kind of could help you or coach you through it. 
you'd give them one of your help cards. And at the end of the competition, uh, the kid with the most help cards got an honorable, uh, special, you know, sort of a special mention uh, for being someone who really helped the team. Um, so, yeah, so th- let's give you an example. That's kind of uh, some of the programs that we're doing. And uh, we're also working on uh, finding other communities where we can do programs like this. Are you finding, I guess through what you just uh, explained, and in, and in general, what are the schools doing these days? Are they, are they encouraging this, or is this something that's, uh, you know, not in the curriculum of either an elementary or middle school or high school? Sure. Um, it's, it's really, in, in my experience, and I can't say this about every school district because I don't know, but in my experience, uh, the school districts are, have a hard time with funding, and so, you know, they really are only able to teach, one, what they have the equipment to teach, and two, what they have the resources to teach. Um, so my company approached a uh, school district and we in, in northeastern North Carolina, and we said to them, hey, look, you know, we'll bring our resources, our people, um, you know, all you have to provide is the location, uh, and, uh, you know, we have to find some, some funding to sort of provide food and things like that for the kids. Um, and, you know, my company, we actually even went to some of our corporate partners to see if we might be able to get some support uh, to help for programs like that. And so at the end of the day, I think the school districts are doing the best that they can, but I, I, I really think that there needs to be a lot more uh, technology instruction uh, in the middle schools, the elementary schools, I definitely find that the community colleges are doing a pretty good job. Um, uh, actually, in the state of Maryland, the community colleges got a substantial round of funding from the government uh, helping improve their cybersecurity and programming capabilities. And um, I've actually done a couple hackathons with uh, uh, Howard Community College. Uh, we're actually planning a few now with University of Maryland College Park as well as Catonsville Community College. So it just it just depends. You know, you find that there's a lot more support for this kind of curriculum the higher you get, but we really need to start bringing it down to the elementaries and junior high. I don't know if this is a fair question or not, but when you have dealings with kids that are in college or entering the profession, um, whatever that profession might be, um, how did they get there? Were they like you, self-motivated? and taught themselves that they happened to just go to a school that had that teaching capability? You know, I've, you know, my experience, I have found that many of the students uh, at the college level um, went into the field because they felt that it would allow them to make a good living. Um, I really think that, um, you know, that's not a you know, bad reason to go into a, you know, go into a program. Um, you know, but I, I think I have noticed that there also has to be a little bit of a pre, sort of predisposition toward technology for kids to go into this field. Um, I've only met a few who really had no predisposition for technology and just sort of, well, I just kind of fell into it. Um, but I would definitely say the bulk of them have had some interest in tech and then felt, hey, this will be a good way to, you know, to go off and make a living. And we've actually collected data on that too, by the way. Um, that's interesting. So I'm. What do you, what would, uh, we've got a few minutes left here. What would you advise parents these days to do, uh, you know, to get their kids moving uh, into yeah. this and encouraging them to, even if the kids, you know, haven't expressed an interest in becoming technologists like we discussed before, but just to get it, to get their minds going? 
Right. Well, I would definitely recommend that um, uh, I definitely recommend that they reach out if they have any questions. But I, I would definitely say, you know, one great way to, um, you know, sort of introduce your kids to tech is uh, by put, bringing them around tech or bringing tech around them, um, looking at how they interact with the technology. Uh, a really strong um, sense of understanding uh, whether or not your child is really interested in the technology is if they're just using it uh, just, you know, just really sort of as a, a tool and they really have no care in the world about how any of that stuff works. Um, if you hear your kid asking those curiosity questions, I wonder how this works. I wonder what this is doing. What's happening on the back end? How, I mean, how did they, how did they create this? That's a pretty good sign that, uh, you know, your child may be a, a, a really great candidate for going into programming. Um, but it may not necessarily, if your child doesn't seem like they're really interested in learning how the tech works, it may be because they're more creative um, and they may want to be more design-oriented. And there's also opportunities in the tech world for that as well. So I really would just say to parents, just, you know, pay attention to your kid. Just kind of get a feel for, you know, how your kid thinks and approaches problems. And, uh, and kind of go from there. That's a great place to start. I really appreciate that, and I really appreciate you being on the show. And tell the listeners one more time how they can reach out to you. So you can follow us on Twitter at, uh, at um, How Hackers Think, and uh, you can also reach us via our website, howhackersthink.com. Um, we also have uh, another site that another web address that gets us to the same gets you to the same uh, location, which is uh, summersco.us. And, um, yeah, there's a contact form on there, and feel free to reach out anytime. Well, Dr. Tim Summers, thank you very much. This is a really good show, very informative. Appreciate you taking the time. Thanks. I also want to thank Terry Ruggiero, IMI's president, Dave Brandon, Dan Diori, and Jose Batista for our Week in Review. Taylor Redden our producer. Tess Henshaw is our associate producer, and then Matt Kimpagney is our executive producer. And what out, Robert Bomback in the KFNX AM 1100 production department, you wouldn't have heard a word of this, and you would have missed uh, Dr. Tim's great explanation of how you should get your kids involved in technology. Thanks again for listening. Please don't forget to tune into Tech Talk next week at 6 p.m. in New York on KFNX AM 1100. Remember to send us your suggestions for future shows or ask us questions by sending an email to techtalk at imi-us.com. Have a great week, and thanks again for listening. Thank <laughs> you.